Wow. Wow. Mm, thank you. We are in the month of curiosity as a superpower. That's this month's theme. <laughs> well, curiosity is one superpower. I know there are others, right? We talked about everybody having their own superpowers. We all have our own superpowers. Listening to people is a superpower, isn't it? When you sit with your friends, you know, you know, you do that. Talking to people might be a superpower as well. Remembering things that are important to others, right? That's a superpower as well for a lot of us. We have limitless, we have limitless superpowers when you think about it, right? Whatever we focus on, whatever we is important to us to develop within us, that is our superpower. So there are just limitless superpowers. And that is today's talk. Limitless, limitless. What do you want to be when you grow up? <laughs> what do you want to be when you grow up? Yeah, <laughs> right? Now, there's a question we need to stop asking our kids and everybody else's kids. What do we want to be when we grow up? Did you know what you wanted to be when you grew up? Oh, my gosh. You wanted to be like six or seven or eight or ten different things, right? There, You know, it was like you were going to be a ballerina. You were going to be an astronaut. You were going to be, I mean, like, we went through ages and stages, didn't we, where we wanted to be a million different things, you know? So it's just so unfair to ask kids, particularly grade school kids, what do you want to be when you grow up? Eh, they don't know what they want to be when they grow up. It changes as we grow, right? There's, there's, there's a couple of problems with that question. First of all, we have no idea in grade school what we want to do as an adult. We just don't, right? We don't know enough about the world. It changes as we grow and we change, right? The world changes. I remember when my, when my youngest son was in grade school, I think he was in sixth grade, and we, we had a meeting with the math department. It was just a lovely thing. They had all the parents in, and we were talking about how um, the, after four, four years of high school and four years of college, the jobs that my son was, would be getting had not yet been invented, but they will be somewhere in that in the course of those years. So we don't really know as children, right? And secondly, right, second reason why it's a bad question is because we never really grow up, do we? <laughs> See that? You were right, Ernie. <laughs> we really don't grow up. You know, we continue to evolve, don't you? You're not the same person you were last year or five years ago. We continue to grow. We continue to evolve. We continue to discover ourselves anew each and every day. And we do it for our entire lives. We are forever evolving and changing. And third, we hardly ever get to be one thing, right? There are very few of us that have had one job since they got out of school and only one job. I mean, there are, I mean, there are people that do that, but very few of us do that. Mostly, we get to be more than one thing. Or we have to get to be more than one thing. Some things end and some other things have to be, you know, invented, right? So we change jobs. We change careers. We start doing different things along the way. And, and fourth, we're not our job. Why do we keep asking kids what do they want to be when we grow up? We're not our job. We are spirit. Spirit. We are spirit. We do jobs or careers, or professions, or whatever, right? But that's not who we are anyway. So why we even bother asking kids what they want to be? We have limitless options. Haven't you started doing something, and then it turned into something else, and then it turned into something else, and then all of a sudden, you're in a whole new career? We do this all the time, right? We have limitless options. 
how we want to express our, our individualized selves. So if our question is not, what do we want to be when we grow up? What is the question? What is the question? Well, I, I, I found a couple, actually. What kinds of things do you love to do? That's a way better question to ask your kids, right? What is it? What is it that you love to do? What kinds of things do you enjoy learning about? That's another good question. What makes you curious? Again, going back to our theme. What a wonderful question that is. What makes you curious? And here's another exercise for them. What jobs exist now that you don't think will exist in the future? There's an interesting question, right? I think it's a great question. I know for years while I was in college, I was a professional video analyst for a professional photography studio and lab. There's a job that doesn't even exist anymore because there's no film, right? There's no film anymore. And then I was custom printing, you know, the big stuff, 16 by 20, 20 by 24s, 24 by 30s, big giant film, you know, pictures, dodging and burning and creating these lovely bits of photography. Doesn't exist anymore. Doesn't exist anymore. My mother used to be a telephone operator. Go find that job, right? Doesn't exist anymore. None of those things exist anymore. I used to make jewelry as a hobby. Lost wax casting technique. Anybody remember that? Lost wax. Yeah, there's a reason they call it lost. <laughs> they don't do it anymore, right? And then the other question you can ask is, what, what do you think maybe jobs that don't exist now that maybe will exist in the future? That's a way better question to ask than what do you want to be when you grow up, right? What things don't exist that you think might exist in the future? You know, here at Vision, all of our, our whole education department has shifted to online. I used to write out things. They used to be registration books, and everybody had to fill out their registration forms when they were taking certificated classes. Was all done. It was all done in the room, and then we, you know, write a registration form and write a check and send it into home office. Now, all of that is done online now. <laughs> Thank you, James Vandenberg, <laughs> who is the head of our education department, because it's all done online now, and I have to learn the system. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh! I was like so used to doing it online for twelve, thirteen, fourteen years, and now it's all it's all just done differently. I was at I was filling papers out, but there are no more papers. It's all online. <sighs> Old dog, new tricks, right? You start thinking, oh, I'll never be able to get this. I will be able to. I've got a great teacher. James Vandenberg is a great teacher, right? It's about having beginner's brain, isn't it? When we keep learning new things, we have keep learning new things because the world keeps changing on us, right? So it's not about stagnating, I know how to do it the old way. I just can't, I can't learn the new way. That's it. I'm done. <laughs> you know, it's about learning new things, learning different ways of doing things, not stagnating, but challenging ourselves to learn new skills and techniques that keep us involved because things are changing and the way we've done things, but I've always done it that way. Ooh, remember that saying, but we've always done it that way. Well, we're not doing it that way anymore. But the big question now, there's five really good questions, right? But the big, big, big question, the central question is, what's the reason you get up in the morning? What is the reason? What sparks you, right? What sparks you? In creative mind and success, 
Ernest, <laughs> Ernest Holmes said, nothing in the universe ever stops. Everything is built on a boundless basis, drawn from a limitless source, come forth from an infinite sea of unmanifest life. We speak forth into this life and we draw back from it all that we first think into it. Life is always limitless. And the only thing that limits us is our inability to conceive mentally. And we should draw more and more and more from that limitless source. All right, that's our job. That quote, that lovely quote this morning from Reverend Jean from, I think it was Ernest Holmes, right? Who said, right, that's our, our privilege is to draw from that limitless source to create our lives new every single day right? Did you ever see that purpose Venn diagram? Anybody? You know those, those little round circle-y things? Venn diagram, there's one called a purpose Venn diagram, and it's this circle, you know, this four, and then where they overlap, it's, a, a, you know, and then where they all come together in the center, okay? The circles overlap, and then we find our purpose in the center, where all of the circles overlap each other. And so, clockwise coming from 12 o'clock clockwise the circle is what you love what the world needs what you can be paid for and what you're good at right so you you fill out those four things now where those outer circles connect what you love and what the world needs that's your mission what the world needs and what you can get paid for that's your vocation which is the law idea of a job right a vocation is the bigger the bigger idea now, what you can get paid for and what you're good at, where those two intersect, that's your profession. And then what you're good at and what you love, that's your passion. So then those four things intersect. Now, in the center where it all comes together, where all of those things overlap, is what is called in Japanese, ikigai. Ikigai. The reason you get up in the morning. That's how it's translated. Your passion, your purpose, the reason you get up in the morning. And you know what? And I will tell you that Venn diagram is no better than asking you what you want to be when you grow up. Right? It's a lovely exercise and it's all mental, but it's really no different from asking you what you want to be when you grow up because it changes. It changes as we change. Your ikigai changes as you evolve, as you change, as your interests change, as your passions change. The things you love, love, love to do at 20 are not the things you love, loved, loved at 30. And they're not the same things that you loved, loved, loved at 40 or 50, right? You, the, the stuff that gets you out of the bed at 60 is different than when you were 20. Isn't it great? that we have limitless options. Isn't it great that we're not stuck with the same purpose that maybe we have grown or maybe we, we're no longer interested in? We get to change our address, right? Go someplace else. We get to change our career. We get to change our cities that we live in. We get to change jobs. We get to change countries. We get to change our point of view. We get to change professions. We can change companies within, you know, within the same city. We can change jobs within the same company. Oh, my gosh. We have limitless choices. Limitless. The ikigai makes it seem like you have one purpose, that you were born to whatever. It's just not true of us. And Ernest Holmes said, spirit is limitless. 
but it can only be to us what we believe it to be. Why must we believe it? Well, because until we believe that it is, we believe that it is not. It is all a matter of belief, but belief is scientifically induced into a subjective state through conscious endeavor. So this is a mental science. Ernest Holmes said, the science of mind. This is a mental science. This is where it begins, but it's not where it ends, right? Because he also called it the science of mind and spirit. And we know it is mystical. We know that when we get the hang of the mental science of it, we move into the spiritual and mystical realm. We make things happen. Then we allow things happen. And then things happen as a result of our being. We move into that state of science of mind and spirit, and conditions change around us. There is limitless good for us in the universe, and we ought to have it. Thank you, Emma Curtis Hopkins, right? There is limitless good for us, and we ought to have it. And she was very clear about that word ought, right? It means it is our obligation. It is our obligation to claim our good. Thank you very much, Emma. So there is limitless good for us to experience. There's also limitless good for us to accept. Limitless good. How much are you asking for? Hmm. How much are you asking for? Right? I remember when I started teaching financial freedom. Everybody, anybody take financial freedom? Principles of financial freedom. Great class. Then at one point, I I made a whole bunch of million-dollar bills. (laughs) Yeah, I'm a forger, right? Okay. Anyway, I made them on the the copy. Big, big, big bills. Million-dollar bills. Made them out of green paper spread them all over the tables. And when the people came in, they were like, oh, look at this. There you go. <laughs> Thank you, Mikey. Okay, million dollar bills all over the place, all over the tables. And people came in and they were like, oh. And I said, yep, you know, this is all for you. And they were like, okay, is it okay if I take one? You know, is it okay? If I was like, oh, you know, how much can you say yes to? What do you, you know, oh, I'll just take one. That's okay. It's like, no, take as much as you want. All of this has already been given. Take as much as you want. And it was an exercise, right? In accepting, in absolutely accepting. There is limitless good. So take more, take three, take some for your sister, take some for your, you know, your honey when you get home here, you know, take a bunch and throw them on your bed and roll around in them. I don't care what you do with them, right? How much are you asking for? There is limitless good for us in the universe. How much of it are you claiming? How much are you claiming? There is limitless good in the universe. How much are you claiming? Ernest Holmes said, Just as light overcomes darkness, the knowledge of limitless supply destroys lack. Destroys lack. We live in limitlessness. We have to grow our consciousness of abundance just like we grow our consciousness of the availability of any good. God is, God is uh, all those qualities, right? Love and joy and beauty and, and wisdom. We grow our consciousness in all of those areas. We can grow our consciousness of abundance. You know, when I was a child, I thought there were three flavors of ice cream. There was vanilla, chocolate, and that pink stuff. That's all there was, <laughs> right? <laughs> Ernest Holmes said, if there's a law which says the images of our thought shall produce, why does it not logically follow that the law of this freedom can impose temporary bondage upon us? 
If we only see the little thing and refuse to bless it into its limitlessness of its nature, if we only see the little thing and refuse to bless it into the limitlessness of its nature, then all we have is the little thing, right? <sighs> Reminds me of Ben and Jerry. Ben and Jerry's world is way more than vanilla chocolate and that pink stuff, right? Over 42 years and still growing and still creating new flavors. Fascinating little fact. I, I don't know if you know this, but Ben of the Ben and Jerry's has anosmia, which is a condition where he cannot taste or smell, right? Yeah, right. All those, all those ice creams and he has anosmia. I guess Jerry is the one who does all the taste testing and, and Ben does maybe the texture or something like that. But anyway, they were a little tiny company set up with $12,000 of starting money in a renovated gas station. And I think they took that little that they started with and they blessed it into the limitlessness we see today. Right? Today, they have over 98 flavors. Some get retired and some come back. And, you know, I think they average maybe about 60 on any given year, you know, because they retire some, they bring some back. But still others are waiting to be invented, aren't they? Still other combinations of flavors are waiting to be invented. There is limitless amounts of flavors of ice cream. Huh, now, what would have happened if Ben and Jerry saw only the little thing and refused to bless it into its limitlessness. Well, there'd be no Chunky Monkey, that's for sure. No Cherry Garcia. Oh, it's my favorite, Cherry Garcia. That would have been a pity. <laughs> the only thing that keeps us from our greater good is that we do not move toward our greater good. We don't bless the little stuff. You want to write a poem? Start now. Right? No, we need this kind of paper, we need to buy this kind of pens or stylus, or we need to first read up on how poems are made and we have to do our homework. We want to shoot that photograph, but we need just the right camera. First, we need to get just the right photo paper. We want to, we want to apply for that perfect job, but oh wait, but first I need to update my resume, then I need to blah, 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 blah. Mm. We want to move into that larger living space, but we procrastinate looking at apartments. We're looking at larger spaces, and that gets the mental equivalent for us, right? You have to do the thing to get the mental equivalent. Oh, that's what it looks like. Okay, yes, I, that, yes, that. You want to start writing? Start writing, right? You don't have to find the right pen or the right pencil or the right paper or the right typewriter. Typewriter. <laughs> I said typewriter. <laughs> okay, the right, the right computer or word processor, whatever, right? Start writing. Write on anything. Just write. Just do it. Just, just start doing the work. Ernest Holmes, you know, Ernest Holmes wrote thoughts down on the cardboard that his shirts came back from the, the cleaners. You know how your shirts come folded around? Or I don't know if they still do, but they used to come folded around. He would write his thoughts down on that cardboard. I know this. I saw them at the archives. They kept them. I love it. <sighs> write on anything. Write on anything. We prepare to prepare to get ready to do things, right? Stop it. Start where you are. Do what you can with what you have. Write on grocery receipts. Man, those CVS ones, you could write a novel on those. You see, holy moly. And write your first bad draft, right? I know Anne Lamott said she did a great on writing book. I can't remember the name of it. But she said, write your first bad draft. They're all bad. First drafts are all bad. 
Start where you are, do what you can. Write your first draft. It's bad. It's always bad. Paint your first bad picture. (laughs) Shoot your first bad photograph. Compose your bad first song. Do it. Do it now. Don't wait to wait to get ready. You know, I just read somewhere where those the those self-driving cars, you know, that there's going to be more and more of those self-driving cars. They said somebody is going to write a country western song where the cowboy's truck leaves him. <laughs> I love it. What do you love? What is your purpose today? What is your purpose today? What is your ikigai today? Cuz it's going to change. It's going to change as we get older right? There is a universe within you. You are limitless. And universal intelligence is pressing itself against you from all sides, urging you to to accept and to create. This universal intelligence is just, just aching to express through you. Say yes, accept it. It's up to us to say yes to continue to grow our consciousness, to bless our little demonstrations into the limitlessness of their own nature. Ernest Holmes said everything that is of the nature of limitation is but limitlessness flowing through us at our level of acceptance. Therefore, we're not fighting evil with good or less with more or wrong with right. We are merely establishing a higher level of that action of the eternal and the perfect through us. We are limitless. We have limitless thoughts and ideas. We can create anything and everything. We are the limitlessness of spirit operating through us at the level of our acceptance of it. Accept bigger. Accept bigger. Thank you.